if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And a, good, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get started at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Wednesday, the 10th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Appreciate you being with us. A lot of very important stuff to discuss today. A lot of the very same topics that the nation is uh, considering and dealing with right now that we've done over the last couple of weeks. But new information emerges and we must bring it to you and analyze it for you, as well as, of course, listen to your reaction to it. Uh, so that's how we start. Um, thanks so much for being with us. Jack Windsor will be here in about an hour, uh, 10, 10. Uh, we call him America's reporter. If Mike DeWine can be America's governor and he has no claim to that whatsoever, then Jack Windsor, who continues to check Mike DeWine daily into the boards as a hockey reference, uh, but fact check more likely or more uh, accurately rather. He's America's reporter. So uh, Jack Windsor is going to be joining joining us from WMFD in uh, Mansfield about the latest, a number of latest, actually, activities regarding the governor, the mumbling lab coat at his side, and more as uh, we continue to try to undo the damage done by their ridiculous overreaction to the Chinese coronavirus. Again, the Chinese coronavirus. That's what we're talking about. So that's coming up at 1010. This hour is free for commentary and phone calls at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. I will not promote social media right now, as again, I feel it is too toxic. It is damaging America. Uh, and I can talk more about that as time goes on. But just tell me this. Do you honestly think this country would be in the state that it is, the chaotic state that it is right now without social media, without Twitter in particular? Because I guarantee you it would not. It is ten times worse. It is thousands and thousands of lives that are being ruined because social media exists. And I'll explain some of that in just a bit. For now, I want to start with this. I want to encourage you to get hard copies. And I hadn't really considered it until I read it. It's time for you to get hard copies of some of the most classic and iconic pieces of art in American history, because based on the trends right now, the cancel culture is going to wipe them all out in any digital format, okay? Here's what I mean. HBO Max, which is the latest streaming service, so, you know, out of a million streaming services, it started with the likes of Netflix and Hulu and 
uh, Amazon Prime, and you know, there's a number of streaming services. I can't even list them all. HBO, which is already a cable company, uh, decided to get into the streaming business as well. They have HBO Max. Well, they were airing a picture that you may have heard of before. Um, as a matter of fact, I think everybody's heard of it because it won eight Oscars, including Best Picture. HBO Max has decided to pull Gone from the Wind from its library of streaming video services. Gone with the Wind, which, of course, is a Civil War epic. And, of course, you know, it had it dealt with a lot of uh, difficult times, difficult things in the Civil War, of course, and that is the uh, black-white experience in America at that time. Uh, dealing with slavery, dealing with discrimination, and so on and so forth. It's kind of it came out in 1939 for crying out loud. So it's you know it's it, it's it depicts life in America and the experience in the Deep South of white and black Americans as it was at the time of the Civil War. That's what period pieces do, right? Did a pretty good job of it. Like I said, they won eight, or it won eight. Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Screen Rant and the Wall Street Journal were the first ones to report that the newly launched streaming service, HBO Max, yanked the film, which took uh, takes place on an Atlanta plantation. Critics in the modern era have criticized Gone with the Wind for its depiction of black people. Never mind the fact, by the way, that history was made when the actress Hattie McDaniel became the first black American to win an Oscar for her performance back in 1939. That's pretty incredible. Now they want to wipe that out. They don't want anybody to be able to see that historic performance because of the way that it portrays black people in the Civil War era. The decision to yank Gone with the Wind has sparked some backlash. So when are we getting together to burn copies of To Kill a Mockingbird? Asked commentator, uh, commentator A.G. Hamilton on Twitter. And that's a great point. That is a very good point. Black people are not portrayed very positively in To Kill a Mockingbird. And poor Atticus Finch's attempt to defend an African-American, a black man, from false accusations of rape, nobody should ever read that again. That has already been discussed. It's not allowed in certain schools, by the way, to kill a mockingbird, just like Huckleberry Finn is not allowed in certain schools because of the presence of the N-word. We have to get rid of those things. Burn books, ban movies. The Daily Caller's Greg Price said, Hattie McDaniel was the first African-American actor to win an Oscar for her role in Gone with the Wind. And oh, by the way, it's also her birthday tomorrow. Way to erase a historic black achievement in the name of social justice. And this is to whom I want to give credit for what I said at the top. Uh, Brent Schur from the Washington Free Beacon, executive editor there said it really is necessary to buy hard copies of things because soon everything digital will be modified beyond recognition or just canceled altogether. Hollywood Reporter Awards columnist Scott Feinberg tweeted, This is idiotic. We should learn from the past, not pretend it never existed. So here's the argument from HBO Max. A spokesperson there explained their decision and says they will put the film back on the platform eventually, but with, quote, 
added historical context, end quote. He said, Gone with the Wind is a product of its time and depicts some of the ethnic and racial prejudices that have unfortunately been commonplace in American society. The statement said, these racist depictions were wrong then and are wrong today, and we felt that to to keep this title up without an explanation and denouncement of those depictions would be irresponsible. So let me go back here and make sure I understand what I just read, and also to make sure that you understand what I just read. He wants to add historical context and to denounce the way African Americans or black Americans were treated during the Civil War. The Civil War was fought at a time of slavery. I'm pretty sure all treatment of African Americans has been denounced by now during slavery. I mean, just ponder what you're hearing. We can't have this picture which depicts African Americans in a negative way during a time of slavery. We denounce that portrayal of African Americans during a time of slavery for crying out loud. During the time of slavery, African Americans were treated like animals. They were treated like they were subhuman. They were treated like they were property. Quite obviously, it's the nature of slavery, of all slavery that has been practiced around the world. That those enslaved don't get basic human rights, really, quite frankly, or even human recognition. Pretty sure we've already denounced that. Pretty sure that a movie made in 1939, which portrays life on on a southern plantation among African Americans as being less than positive, pretty sure that's been very well documented, too. And the fact that this movie took place, the setting of this movie was the Civil War, should be of note as well, considering that over 600,000 people died in a battle to end slavery. That's a pretty good denouncement of slavery and of the treatment of black Americans or blacks in America at that time. They weren't considered to be American citizens, of course, during the time of the Civil War. The spokesperson continued, These depictions are certainly counter to Warner Media's values, so when we return the film to HBO Max, it will return with a discussion of its historical context and a denouncement of those very depictions. But it will be presented as it was originally created, because to do otherwise would be the same as claiming these prejudices never existed. See, this is what happens when American companies feel like they must be woke in order to be accepted. Woke trumps everything. I can't imagine anybody in America in the year 2020 sitting down to watch a 1939 movie, which has been often categorized along with maybe Citizen Kane. I think those are the top two um, that get identified among uh, you know most people uh, in surveys as the best movies ever made. The Godfather, I think, is right there too. The Godfather, Citizen Kane, and Gone with the Wind are the three that I hear most. Right. Pretty sure that anybody in modern America watching a 1939 movie about a southern plantation during the Civil War already knows that those prejudices existed and already know that the treatment of and the portrayal of Africans or African Americans to be in those in the in a film like that already know that that is a product of the time it is not something that is accepted in modern society and quite frankly thankfully 
since an end to Jim Crow and since the passage of the Civil Rights Act in 1964, we have had decades and decades and decades and decades of understanding that those were terrible things and terrible times. And equality among all races is what every is what a free country, a truly free country, a truly uh, free uh, republic like this must be built upon. But they want to try to essentially shame the filmmakers from 1939 because of how they portrayed Africans in 1860-1865. This is exactly what, what a period piece is supposed to do, is present the portrayal of the way things were to the people in control back then. Um, the spokesperson continued... No, correction, I'm sorry, I'm going to move on to on another story on this. On Monday, uh, Oscar-winning screenwriter John Ridley, who made 12 Years a Slave, uh, wrote an op-ed in the Los Angeles Times calling on HBO Max to remove Gone from the, uh, with the Wind from its platform. It is a film that, when not ignoring the horrors of slavery, pauses only to perpetuate some of the most painful stereotypes of people of color. Again, it was made in 1939 about people and the way they were treated and portrayed in the 1860s. It comes as Paramount Television announced it is canceling the long-running TV series, Cops. Four days after the network pulled it from its schedule. Cops has been on for decades. But because Cops today is a dirty word... They can't be portrayed catching bad guys on television. HBO Max also raised eyebrows yesterday when they announced that Looney Tunes characters like Elmer Fudd, who was hunting wabbits, and Yosemite Sam, who's going to blast you to kingdom come, will not be allowed to have guns anymore in the streaming service reboot. My friends, cancel culture is alive and well, and I would strongly suggest what the uh, person I quoted, the screenwriter that I quoted in the uh, in the uh, in the uh, uh, article, get hard copies of the books that you like. Get hard copies of the movie. Get them on DVD or whatever you can uh, that you like. Uh, if you truly want a portrayal of the way things were, again, don't let them sanitize them with modern denouncements and modern historical context discussions. We're having a historical context discussion on these things every single day. Judging a movie made in 1939 based upon life on a plantation during the 1860s, judging it by modern standards is just insanity. And they will yank this stuff from your uh, possession, or from the public square anyway, and you're gonna have, it's going to be up to you to hold on to it. All right, it's 921. We'll get a quick time out. I do want to hear from you this half, or this hour, rather, 216 So that's where we are with that. We've got a lot more for you coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. August, summer night, soldiers passing by. Very well done. Thank you, Andrew, for the music selection. 926. I mean, just think of the absurdity of what we're talking about here. 
to erase Gone with the Wind and to not allow its uh, uh, portrayal of life as viewed through the lens of 1939, of life in the 1860s, um, would truly be to almost try to scrub it from history. One would think that if you truly want to... Here's the thing. I, I think that Black Lives Matter and the white guilt-ridden uh, liberals who march with them uh, are, are too short-sighted to realize how stupid this is. If the goal is to portray um, the historical mistreatment of Africans then and African Americans after granted citizenship, of course, I'm just trying to be historically accurate here, um, if the goal is to really portray and, and, and express to people the historical prejudices, bigotry, discrimination, and suffering that was heaped upon those people, you would think they would want everybody to watch those movies about those times and say, look how they did this. Look how they portrayed that. Look at what we were made to do or meet, we were made, how we were made to appear, etc. This is what we're talking about. This is how bad it is. Instead, they want to they wanna what? They want to ban it? And then take that to the the rest of the story that I'd have shared with you. Guns? Well, Elmer Fudd used a gun to hunt wabbits. Guns are bad. Maybe Elmer should have been hunting uh, Bugs Bunny with, I don't know what, a box trap? That would have been really fun and entertaining Saturday morning television. Yosemite Sam, the wildest, rootinest, tootinest, shootinest uh, uh, cowboy on the, of the land, and I'm trying to remember what his old uh, lines were. Uh, what's he supposed to do? Come in there and be, you know, use rock, paper, scissors to uh, confront his enemies and uh, those he's trying to, uh, to beat. I'm literally making stuff up as I go here because the idea of erasing what has already been done is just so insane. If they think that helps us progress into the future by erasing things uh, from our past, and quite frankly, things that are straight harmless in our present, like Looney Tunes cartoons then I, I really question not just their sanity, but their intelligence. I, don't, I think they're too short-sighted. I think they're too dim-witted to really understand what they're doing and what they're saying. Um, 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. Let's get a call or two in here before we uh, get to our news. David is in LaGrange. Uh, David, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420. The answer, go ahead. Okay, Bob, I've called you about this comment before. I'm an American of Italian descent. Okay. When are people going to start complaining about the portrayal of Italians in the movies such as Godfathers, Godfather, Goodfellows, and The Sopranos? All they do is portray a bunch of Italians, mafia, killers. I cannot think of anything in Hollywood or on TV that portray Italians in a positive light. You can bring up Rocky, but they're making him sound stupid. He can't talk. And well, but but here here here's what I would say in response, David. What what I would say in response is, so what? Um, the the five families of of the mafia heyday in New York, which is spread to, to around the country, were Italian. 
Uh, so they're making movies about real history in the same way that Gone with the Wind made movies about what was going on in plantations in slave days, and they were portraying people as they were actually actually living their lives at that time. I wouldn't want to whitewash the history of that, and there's no pun intended with whitewash, but I mean, I wouldn't want to rewrite the history because of how it makes people look today uh, about about those times any more than I would about the actual heyday of Italian fa- uh, crime family in uh, you know in the United. States movies and books are going to be written about that because it's a part of it's a part of American history, right? It really doesn't offend me. I'm just bringing it up. It, I don't yeah. Care well, you're smart. It, you're smart. It doesn't offend you. No, and you're right. But my my, my whole thing is um, if they were if they were taking false, you know, and and again they they do that too because that's what that's what fiction is all about. Books are written and movies are written about things that aren't true about people all the time. Uh, you know, as as long as they're not named, you know, as long as they're they're faceless fictional characters that are created and and do they stereotype with Irishmen and do they stereotype with Italians and do they stereotype with Germans? Oh my gosh, do they stereotype with Germans? I mean, look at how they made Germans look uh, look to be buffoons in uh, in Hogan's Heroes. And and those things are always going to be and thanks for the call, David. But what I would say is this. Um, let art be art. And if it is something to be criticized and debated, then let criticism and debate happen. Don't pull it from the, the public view and pretend that it's not there. Uh, that is a very dangerous, dangerous thing. I thought we learned that in this country a long time ago. You don't burn books. Back right after the news. Okay, 9.36, we continue. Another uh, short one here before I go to more phone call phone calls. Um, you've heard, of course, the ridiculous rantings and ravings of far leftists who are angry that people are boarding up their storefronts and they are calling on more police protection, calling perhaps on the National Guard to come into cities that have been victimized by extraordinary violence from the protest groups slash Antifa slash Black Lives Matter uh, hate groups that have descended upon cities for the last two weeks. You've heard people complaining, those on the far left, uh, complaining that how come these protesters are viewed as being so dangerous when the protesters who were upset with the quarantines came to the state house? and yelled and chanted, and carried guns, right? We see, we, we've, you've seen this all the time, right? Ohio State Representative Tina Marahoff, not familiar with her, other than this, she posted on her Facebook feed the following, with a picture of boarded-up windows at the State House. Quote, they didn't board up my office when white supremacists, white supremacists, by the way, did you realize that? Did you know that that people who were protesting against the quarantines, protesting against Dr. Labcoat and Mike the Rhino Republican uh, uh, DeWine, did you know those were white supremacists? I found that I find that interesting and cute because I thought that being anti uh, uh, unconstitutional lockdowns was pretty much a non racial issue. But according to Representative Tina Maharath, only white supremacists were upset with uh, with the quarantine. So okay, she wrote, "They didn't board up my office when white supremacists were at the state house with their rifles protesting against Doctor Acton's orders. 
But when black people protest, my windows get boarded up and the state house is full of armed patrols. White privilege is real. Let's wrap your minds around this. You're scared of a black person yelling, but not of a white person yelling with a gun. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. So, Tina Maharath, state representative, declares that only white supremacists were at the state house and conducting these protests with their rifles. And they are more dangerous, or at least as dangerous, as black people protesting the death of George Floyd. Now, the obvious answer I shouldn't waste radio time with, of course, because not one window was broken, not one officer was assaulted, not one person was shot and killed, not one uh, um, uh, protester of the quarantines started looting. Um, There was exactly 0.0 on the scale of violence when it came to anybody protesting at the State House or elsewhere uh, over the quarantines. However, by contrast, the quote-unquote peaceful protests of George Floyd's reprehensible, indefensible death at the hands of Derek Chauvin in Minneapolis, Minnesota, devolved quickly into all of the above. Broken windows, destroyed property, theft of cash, theft of of ATMs, looting of stores, attacking of officers, attacking of other people who are just innocently standing in front of their buildings, begging people not to destroy their businesses. Uh, In other words, the worst of humanity taking place. That happened when it came to those protests. One might think it prudent to simply uh, board up your windows in advance of protests because we have seen those protests get out of hand and devolve into violence and vandalism on a routine basis. But no, according to Tina Maharath, it makes you a racist. It makes you a racist to board up when proven rioters are coming to your town or to your location. Cleveland.com wrote about this in Chagrin Falls uh, last week. We were talking with a caller who brought it to my attention, and I read the story, and it was reprehensible, calling the white people of Chagrin Falls racists for assuming that their businesses are going to be trashed when they know that there's going to be a Black Lives Matter uh, or George Floyd uh, 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 you know, uh, protest coming to their town. It's racist to board your buildings. Yeah, right, because we don't have any evidence that these things are going to lead to vandalism and violence and looting, do we? No, of course not. So that's only part of the story is Tina Maharath's statement, which is as obscene and ridiculous as you can imagine. But here's the second part of the story. A constituent uh, and just Ohio citizen by the name of Andrea, and I won't give her last name even though she's all over Facebook talking about this. That's okay. But Andrea put a comment underneath the Facebook story by Representative Maharath. Her comment was this, quote, So me and my African-American husband are white supremacists now? Us protesting, or I'm sorry, us protecting our rights and wanting the government to be held accountable? Question mark. That was it. She has an African-American husband, and the two of them protested. And the two of them want to protect their rights. And the two of them want the government to be held accountable. And Tina Maharat declared that these people who protested and wanted to protect their rights were all white supremacists. So Andrea called her out. How did Tina Maharat, the Ohio State representative, respond to this Ohio citizen, a constituent, a voter? By deleting her comment and blocking her from the page. When others 
took up the cause and repeated the question to Tina Maharaf. She deleted their comments and blocked all of them from the page as well. A respectful question, a legitimate question about constitutional rights and white supremacy accusations. And this uh, Ohio State Representative, Tina Maharath, who, by the way, happens to be of Asian descent, which is irrelevant to me. I don't care. She makes it her, her pinned post on her page. Uh, so, okay, so she wants to be identified as such. That's, that's great. Good for you. Don't care. But the point is, she has decided that the best way to respond to a legitimate question from a constituent and a voter is to censor her, to ban her, to shut her up. This is an elected official. Now, if anybody who has ever been on my Facebook page or my Twitter feed probably knows, I have banned people as well, usually for profanity or excessive, disgusting statements or racially charged things that are just not appropriate and I don't want to deal with. It makes my life happier to not see that kind of trash on my Facebook page. So I block people too. I've deleted comments and blocked people too. But here's a little distinction. I'm not an elected official answering or responding to a legitimate question from a voter and a constituent, a taxpayer. So I went ahead and and took up the cause as well. And I tweeted, or excuse me, I commented to um, uh, to, uh, uh, Maharath, what's her name again, Uh, uh, Tina Maharath, on behalf of Andrea, or uh, yeah, on behalf of uh, uh, Andrea Hand. And I said, hey, Tina, would you care to explain to your constituents why you removed Andrea Hand's comment last night and blocked her from your page? Is the First Amendment optional to you? Or is free speech only protected when you agree with it? Finally, would you care to answer her question? I'll repeat it, since you deleted it and may not remember. So me and my husband are white supremacists now, supremacists now, us protecting our constitutional rights and trying to hold our government accountable. And we'll see where it goes. The point to this whole story is, of course, that the same type of trash that goes on in Washington, D.C. is going on in Columbus, Ohio. And disingenuous, lying race baiters like Tina Maharath do not want to hear the truth and do not want to be forced to answer questions from people who call them out on their BS propaganda on their social media pages, such as... Well, when the white supremacists came with their rifles, they didn't board anything up, but they boarded everything up when the blacks came to protest George Floyd. Never mind the fact that, of course, black protests, and and that's not fair to even call them black protests. That's what she's doing in erase baiting. Because a ton of white people, many of them Antifa, have been out there in the cities protesting with Black Lives Matters and destroying cities one by one. And if you can't see the difference there, then Tina Maharath, you're either just a flat-out liar or you are too dumb to hold public office, if you can't see the distinction between the two. Diane is calling us from West Park on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Diane. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Um, I have to mention uh, Mr. Hugh Hewitt's um, interview with Governor DeWine this morning. Um, while uh, and he just and Mr. Hughes just showed that he doesn't give a hoot about um, Ohio's people, although he does love the Cleveland Browns, which give him fodder for his stupid Steelers fans jokes. But let me get to my point. 
Okay. A couple, two interviews past uh, him talking to little Mike, he spoke to a gal. Uh, she must have been with either the Repu- National Republican Party or in Trump's campaign. They were talking about where the Republican convention is going to be held and the fact that it wasn't going to be held in Georgia. And number one, uh, I didn't <laughs> listen to the entire interview because I can't stand either of their voices long enough, either um, Elmer Fudd or... Um, Mr. Hewitt, but um, and I thought maybe that's why you mentioned Elmer Fudd, because as far as I'm concerned, that's what Dwayne <laughs> sounds like. But anyhow, um, while not asking, I don't believe uh, Hugh, uh, Hewitt asked uh, Dwayne about why he said no about the, to the convention. Um, in his words, the people of Georgia should be quote-quote outraged that the the uh, governor there didn't give their people um, the chance for $200 million to be added to their economy due to what the convention would bring. And to further quote Mr. Huge, he said that the people of, that the um, governor of Georgia should be, quote, quote, thrown out of office for denying the people of Georgia the opportunity to have the Republican convention. And my last point would be that, obviously, Mr. Hewitt doesn't need any more free tickets or passes from Governor Mike because, um, obviously, he's. I, I, I can't imagine why he is calling little Mike, little Mikey DeWine, America's governor. To me, America's governor is Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida. Thank you so much, Bob. Diane, thank you for the phone call. Um, I'm just going to be right up front with you. I'm a fan of Hugh Hewitt. Uh, I'm a friend of Hugh Hewitt. So I'm not going to bash Hugh Hewitt. I disagree, as friends do. Uh, with many of the things that he says, particularly in this in this circumstance, he is pro mask. I am decidedly anti mask. Uh, I am reasonable. I think the masks are unreasonable. We disagree on that. Uh, he handled his interview with Mike DeWine differently than I did. I did mine. And here's the thing: he'll get Mike DeWine back on the air. I won't, and that's a problem for me. That's that's my fault. Hugh is going to be a little bit more gentle. He's got a national audience, and he wants to get these people back on again. Uh, Oftentimes, I'll have people on, and I will be much more aggressive, like you were pointing out and comparing Ohio to Georgia and talking about why why didn't you throw your hat in the ring to try to bring the convention here and help rebound economically a state that you and the lab coat have systematically destroyed with your overreactionary lockdowns and your consistent refusal to acknowledge new data, which, by the way, shows that this is nothing the coronavirus to be concerned about at this point. Nothing. All of the new data is out. And Jack Windsor is going to share it with us coming up at 1010. And why don't you try to bring some money back, bring a couple hundred million dollars of economic growth and development to this state by bringing the convention back here where it was four years ago? It ought to be pretty easy for us to just get the same uh, protocols that we used then in place now, probably easier than another state who has never done one of these. It would have been easy. I would have asked him that. I would have challenged him on that. Hugh didn't. But like I said, Hugh is going to get these interviews again, which he needs, and I'm not going to, which I, I regret. I wish I could get Mike DeWine back on the air. But after blasting him and, and hitting him with facts and truths and questions that, quite frankly, he did a lousy job of answering, he's not coming back to me. 
So I'm not going to criticize Hugh. Uh, I'm a fan of Hugh's. I disagree with some of the things Hugh says, just as I know Hugh would disagree with some of the things that I say if he listened to me on a regular basis. That's just nature, the nature of our business. It's the nature of politics and, and news and, and analyses. But yes, I did hear it. And yes, I was disappointed by some of the way things went with Mike DeWine. But to Hugh's credit, um, he is going to be able to get Mike DeWine back on again when other big things happen. And that's just uh, that's just the nature of this beast. Thank you for the call, Diane. Ten, uh, 951, right back after this. So I just got a message uh, asking, hey, didn't the courts rule that public officials, elected officials, can't block people from their pages? And that, of course, goes back to President Trump, who blocked somebody for tweeting something. I can't even remember what it was, but it was pretty egregious. And he blocked them. I think it was a, a, a mocking meme of some sort. And he blocked them, and they sued. You know, you can't block me from reading official correspondence from... An elected official. And I think what the court ruled was against President Trump there is that if you're using your public account on Twitter or whatever social media, then you cannot block it. Everybody has a right to see what you've said. Um, but if you are using a personal page, then you can block and, you know, use all of the features that you can to interact with whomever you wish. It's my belief and understanding here that when it comes to this Ohio State representative, she has a public page and a personal page, and this is her personal page where she can rant as she wishes and block anybody she wishes. That's why that's probably not illegal, just to kind of clarify. Uh, Let me go to um, Tanya calling us from Brooklyn on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Tanya, go ahead. Hey, I'm calling you from Akron. Oh, long Akron, man, that's not even close to yeah. Brooklyn. <laughs> that's what I got yeah. on my screen, though. Sorry, sorry about that, Tanya. Go ahead. I haven't talked to you in a while, and I'm just uh, kind of livid with everybody. I'm livid with, uh, you know, appeasement culture. You know, history. We can't. We're going to erase history. Is when are we going to just say? We're going to take the cross down because Jesus was crucified, too, and it was a horrific way to die. I mean, come on, wake, let's wake up, okay? Uh, I love the way you are getting uncomfortable. You know, you're probably losing a lot of people that can't deal with you. I appreciate that. We've had some conversations where we've been on the opposite ends, but I appreciate your honesty and your integrity to have to hold those conversations where everyone else does not. Uh, and you know what? I, I, I appreciate you and others like you as well for recognizing that. These are the conversations that some people want to just silence. If you, you know, they just want to say, no, shut up and, and stop looking at nuances here and just say black lives matter and, uh, and atone for your white privilege and, uh, and we'll be fine here. And it's just the kind of thing that it furthers the divide in this country rather than bringing people together to, to cancel and block any other opinions. It's just not right. Yeah. Well, I'm old enough to have seen this play out. I was around with the 68 riots. I'm older now. And one of the things, I I had a black fist, big afro at one point. Then the liberals from Cleveland State came in to tell me how to be black. Okay. okay? And I can't deal with that again. All right? It's, you know, these, you know, to not be able to hold two 
competing conversations. You know, what happened to George Floyd, you know, Floyd was horrific. Take care of that cop. But we don't defund the cops. I listened to the hour and a half, you know, presentation yesterday by the New York cops. It made me sick, okay, that they're going to defund the cops. But to sit around and say Antifa, Antifa, you know, they have a right to protest and violence is okay as long as it's a protest. How stupid is that, you know? And I think that Jared Kushner needs to be out the White House. I could not agree with you more. You know what, Tanya? Thank you. I'm glad you called back. And by the way, call more often because uh, I really love talking to you. Yeah, I love I love your your common sense approach. Thank you for the phone call. And let me let me back her up on this uh, by saying this: uh, Jared Kushner, I agree wholeheartedly. Jared Kushner is a thorn in the side of President Trump. He is not. I don't believe he is an asset. I think he is a liability. I don't think the president should stop listening to him. And if he's going to stay in the White House, it should be as a guest uh, of his uh, daughter, and that's it. Uh, so I totally agree with that. But as to the point about, uh, you know, the discussions on race, here's what I believe. And you tell me if you think this is true. And now I got Jack Windsor coming up here in a few minutes to talk about what's going on in Ohio. But uh, I believe that these protests, that three funerals for George Floyd in which black America stands up there and demonizes white America and the police off, uh, police profession as a whole, I believe watching the looting and the smashing and the attacks I think they are creating more racial division than ever before. I think there are white people sitting at home every day watching their televisions and watching more and more and more of this and watching white people being forced literally to their knees asking for forgiveness for 400 years of white supremacy that they did not create and, quite frankly, that white supremacy that does not exist in America today. Did it once? Absolutely. During the days of slavery and probably in the days of Jim Crow. We don't live in those days anymore, and asking and demanding that white people uh, uh, prostrate themselves in 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 uh, in an a- apologetic fashion, saying sorry for what other people who look like me did, sorry that I was born with this skin that gives me privilege that you don't have. I guarantee you, there are white people at home watching this again and again and again who are starting to become more resentful of Black America. If the goal here is supposed to be unity, what they are doing is failing miserably. It's creating more resentment and more division. And sadly, that's the goal of those who are truly behind all of this. News time now. Jack Windsor.